All right, so if you've been at CRC for any length of time at all, or uh, if you haven't been, maybe you've just been for a couple weeks, you've probably heard us say something along the lines of, we, we love the ability that on Sunday mornings to, to preach straight through books of the Bible, to go straight through the book of Hebrews over a year or over longer than that. We went through, we spent almost two years in Matthew, um, and we, we really, really enjoy and really, really see value to, to, to preaching that way, to preaching straight through books of the Bible. You've also noticed that the last like nine months, probably, somewhere in there, have been not as heavy into that as had previously been. I mean, in the last nine months, yes, we've gone through First John. Tanner did Habakkuk in a week, which is super impressive to do a whole book in one week. But we've also seen the necessity um, to, to, to teach on certain things that we think are, are needs in the local church, the things that we maybe have not taught on specifically through the book of Matthew or through the book of Hebrews. And we've seen great value in that. Um, we're already kind of talking and, and praying about what, where this goes forward as we look, get into another study through an entire book. Um, more to come on that in the upcoming months. But last week, we talked specifically about the design of the local church, the local body of believers, as has been established. Um, we said that, from 1 Corinthians 12, we said that each and every Christian has been gifted by the Spirit to be a part of the local church, to be an active member of a local church. That we've not been given the Spirit to sit on the sidelines. We've not been given the Spirit of God to, to sit by and watch. But we've been, all been equipped for ministry. And I, I hope that you saw this. I hope that you left asking yourselves questions about, like, man, how, what part am I to play? How am I to... I saw you watching that. All right, I'm not going to knock over a guitar. But I, I hope you've been asking yourselves those questions. And... As you ask yourself those questions, I would encourage you to also ask other people in this church that same question, that we can continually be exploring how we can best be that body of Christ, how we can best function fully with all of our limbs, with all of our arms, with all of our feet, all of that. But as we talk about the function of the local church, there's another really important aspect to it. It's not just the way we function, but it's also the way that we're structured, because God has, yes, he's equipped each and every believer, each and every Christian to be an active part of a local church, but he's also given clear structure for what the church is to look like. And what I, what I mean by this is that he is clearly given two specific offices within the church. We see in scripture two offices that are very clearly taught. And we as the church want to structure our church, this local church, in this way. So, and I think we have. I'm going to clarify. I don't, I'm not correcting anything from up here this morning. I think that we have done this we, as the biblical role of elders and deacons. These are the two that we see in Scripture. And I think that we have modeled this. But this morning, what I want to do is show you the biblical basis for this structure. And more than anything, what I want to do is show you how this is all pointing towards Jesus. And the way that we're structured is not just about giving people the right titles, but it's about the glory of Christ. So again, I said last week that there, this is important, talking about the body of Christ, because so many people, we, we come from different re religious backgrounds or different backgrounds with no religious experience whatsoever. So it's important to not just assume that we're all mean the same thing when we say preacher, when we say pastor, because you can throw out all sorts of titles. I, just, I was just thinking this week, there's 
Preacher, bishop, pope, elder, overseer, clergy, shepherd, monk, chaplain, priest, minister. I mean, there's all sorts of words that you can throw out when you think of religious leadership of some kind. But what I want to show you is that not all of these are specific positions that God has established in the local church. I'm not saying that all these are bad. No, that's that's not the point. But I think we're going to clearly see in Scripture that there are two distinct positions that God has designed. There's some, of the, some of those words I said are also exchangeable, like some of those words mean the same thing as others, and I'll, I'll clarify that later. But this is going to be really important, and like, like I said, it's not just about giving people the right titles, but it's about being obedient to Scripture and how He has designed the church. And you might be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not an elder, I'm not a deacon, what, why is this important for me? Because as we said this morning, or said last week specifically, the ways that we are the full body of Christ, the ways that we function as a body is all structured, all points to Jesus. And this is going to be huge. And again, it goes back to that, as we talked about our, our vision for CRC, that we want to grow, mature, we want to reach. That, that meant one of those subpoints under mature was that we, there is biblical eldership, that we are led by elders as defined in Scripture. So this is what I want to look at specifically this morning. We're going to look at deacons next week, um, but this week we're going to talk specifically about how elders were established in the local church. If you hear nothing else I say for the rest of today, if you hear nothing else at all, hear this. Christ and Christ alone is head of the church. This is his. This is not, this does not belong to anyone other than him. He is the foundation in which it's built upon. He is the one that is building it. A pastor named Joe Thorne says, The church exists because Jesus Christ himself established it. He is the head of the body. He is the groom of the bride. That this belongs to him. If you remember when Tanner preached on the church back in the spring, He said that we have no senior pastor, that Jesus is our senior pastor. He's the one in charge. So please, if you hear nothing else, hear this, that this belongs to Christ. He is the one who purchased it with his own blood. We're going to see that in um, in 1 Peter later. We do believe that the positions in the church, that that those that have been called to be elders, that the, the offices of deacon are very important are very important, absolutely. But the church does not belong to elders or deacons. I've got no claim on this church. Dale is not in charge. It doesn't belong to Tanner. That Jesus and Jesus alone is ruling. And all that we are as a church, all that we are as a church is designed for the glory of Christ. So I hope we can get on this same page. Because if we're not, then the rest of this morning is not going to make a lot of sense. The rest of this morning is not going to make sense. Because if you're here to have your ultimate needs met by an elder or a deacon or anyone else, you're missing it. If you're looking to have your ultimate needs met by any person, you're mistaken. You're not going to find that. Only in Christ, only in Jesus can we have our ultimate needs met. 
So this morning, specifically we're talking elders, specifically next week talking deacons, but I want to tell you exactly what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see a description of these biblical offices, see how they're commanded, how they're taught in Scripture. I want you to briefly see how that plays out here at CRC, here at Christ Reconciled Church. But then I want to show you that Jesus is better, better than elders, better than deacons. So the first group that I want to show you, they're referred to as elders. Like there's this, the term elders is many times in scripture from Old Testament all the way through New Testament. We see elders being referred to. The first time, assuming that my search was right, that the first time we see this is in Genesis chapter 50. It's talking about the elders of Joseph's family. So in the Old Testament specifically, what we see is elders usually meaning the old people in the family or the old people in the town. So the elders in the town, the elders in the family, the the old people, the wise people, those people that you go to for that type of counsel. But then, in the book of Acts, all of a sudden, it goes from this title just given to the old wise people in the communities, or in the families, to a, to a, a position that people are appointed to within the local church. All through Acts, we see this. All through the New Testament, we see that it's, a, it's an office in the church. It's so many people are appointed to be elders. I want to show you some of these examples. Look at Acts 14. It should be up on the screen, I hope. This is Acts 14, 21 through 23. It says, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They appointed elders for them in every church. Plural, elders. Titus 1.5 is another example. It says, Paul says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Plural. James 5.14 is another example of this. I don't have it up here. But in James, he says, call the elders of the church to come and to, to pray for healing. And I'm not going to get super deep into that right now. But over and over and over again in Scripture, we see the command to, for elders to be appointed in every church. And nowhere in Scripture do I see an example of the local singular pastor of a local church. It's every time I say, the elders of the local church, appoint elders for the local church. Church And nowhere do I see that it says, thou shalt not have one pastor of a local church, but, every, but all the biblical, wow, biblical evidence that I see is pointing to a plurality of elders leading the local church. I do want to clarify, I mentioned earlier all those different names, all the, those different religious leadership, all those titles. Some of these are referring to the same thing. So, in Scripture, we see the same position, elder, pastor, overseer, all those, same thing. When we're talking about any of those, we're talking about the same position within the church. Really, it's just different kind of parts of the role. Shepherding, overseeing, pastoring. There's, there's different aspects of the same role. I mean, Ephesians 4.11 refers to it as pastors. And most local churches, specifically here in the U.S., especially at least in the Baptist background that I have, is you, there's the pastors. There's the pastor, usually. That's what I grew up with. The pastor of the church. 
And I mean, the, the term itself is good, it's biblical. But all through scripture, I see it a lot more referred to as elders. So that's why we, that's why we go by elders, usually. We're also pastors, we're overseers, shepherds, whatever. All those are pointed to the same position within the church. But the consistent thing that I see in Scripture is that there's plurality of elders. In other sermons in the last year or so, I've touched on the benefits, the practical reasons why I think there should be a plurality of elders, and there are many. I'm not going to get into them this morning. But again, I think that that is the way that the church has been designed. So who is qualified to be an elder? And what is their role? I meant to tell you about 10 minutes ago to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. So, 10 minutes late, but there it is. If you want to go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, as well as John 10. I'm going to tell you that way in advance so I don't forget. 1 Timothy 3 and John 10. If you have an actual Bible, you can hold that. If not, you're out of luck. Because tablets, it's really hard to do that. So, I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 3. For just verses 1 through 7. Paul says, this, is trust, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So we're not going to walk through these one by one this morning. Like, there's a lot of different nuances, there's a lot of different details in that that we could look at if we wanted to. What exactly do all those mean? Feel free to ask about those later, talk about them in your community groups, or whatever. But the very first one says that an overseer must, must desire this task. It's a desire. I'll be completely honest, like, it is not something that I always desired. Like, I still remember the very first time I was approached. It was right out here outside these doors. Dale pulled me aside. And I was like, ran away. I was like, no. I think Brenda's probably the one that heard the most of that side of it, of being like, no. But over weeks of, of further conversations, lots of time in prayer, lots of time in the Word, it's something that I really felt like God gave me that desire. He grew that within me that was not there before. I mean, we've, we had multiple conversations about this, and I was terrified. Like, no, I did not desire it. But God really changed me in that way and grew that desire. And I really have no other explanation for that because it was not previously there. But what about all those other qualifications? I mean, all we saw, above reproach, husband of one wife, sober-minded, controlled, respectable. The list goes on and on and on. And we believe that to be an elder of the church, one must exhibit those. But are these requirements to be a Christian? No. I mean, we believe no. You're justified. Faith alone in Christ alone. There are no additional requirements. But are not these qualities ones that each and every Christian should be exhibiting? Aren't these things 
Are, are, are Christians called to anything less? For every approach, sober-minded, controlled, respectable, not a drunkard. Like these are all things that elsewhere in Scripture, every believer, every follower of Christ is called to exhibit, or at least be seeking to exhibit. Like based on Scripture, must elders meet these qualifications? Absolutely. But based elsewhere in Scripture, every follower of Jesus should be seeking to meet these. And we take these seriously. Within the church, we take these seriously. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's a process. It's a, t- a lot of time, a lot of conversation, a lot of reading through Scripture, a lot of time praying about who is an elder, who, who meets qualification for deacon, which we'll talk about next week. We take these seriously. And it's important because we'll talk about the role, the, how the church functions a little bit, how, what the role of the elders is in a minute. But we've been called to shepherd the local body of Christ, to be local shepherds here. And I believe that if the local church is to fully display the glory of Christ, then it starts with the leadership. It starts with the leaders of the church. It's terrifying. It's scary to think. But God laid down these qualifications. He's the one that said all this. And we would be wise to follow. I'm not going to, again, something else, I'm not going to give you a full argument for this morning. I'm not going to give you a full 10-page description of this. But we believe that the office of elder is um, limited to men. Um, we'll talk about this more next week, actually, when talking about um, the, the function of deacons and, and the roles within the church. We'll talk about this more going forward. But we believe that is not because men are any more valuable or any more um, uniquely qualified other than that God has designed it this way. Well, again, we'll talk about this more next week. So what is the, the role? What are the elders in the church, pastors in the church, what do they do? I'm gonna, just going to read you like four sets of verses. Um, pay attention as, as I read these. They'll be up on the screen as you read them. What are, what, what are the elders of the church? What are the pastors of the church called to do? Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is, the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 1 Peter 5, 1-5 So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as the partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Hebrews 13, 7, last one. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Catch all that? <laughs> A lot of them in there. Care for the church. Preach the word. Re rebuke, reprove, exhort with patience. Shepherd the flock that is among you. Exercise oversight willingly and eagerly. Be examples to the flock. Watch over souls. Give an account to God for those souls. One of the most terrifying verses in all the Bible for me. But those are huge responsibilities that God has called people to, to lead the local church. Why do we, why do we try not to shy away? Why do we, I think we don't shy away from teaching hard things, from correcting people when they're when they're wrong, when they're wandering from the truth, when people try to run, we want to pursue them. Because we are called to give an account to God for the way that we led you. Terrifying. But that's, that's what we've been commanded to do. To care for the church, to shepherd the church. Like, preaching, being an elder of the church is so much more than preaching on Sunday mornings. Like, we, we, want to, we take this seriously. Like, we take it seriously that we want to preach the full gospel from this stage. That is the primary way in, when, when, in which we teach the church and, and, and lead and direct the church. That's the primary way we do it. But it doesn't mean that the elders of the church do every single thing that goes on. I mean, it says it talks about exercising oversight. I mean, we exercise oversight in every area, even when it's not something that we're physically doing. Like, our oversight, the kids' room, we're not, none, none of us are back there teaching right now. But we have oversight over that. We know what they teach. We, we, we know what they do. And we can give direction when necessary. But this exercising oversight, this caring for the church, is something we seek to do with truthfulness, with honesty, and out of love. And again, we believe that it's our job to shepherd the flock, to guard the doctrine, to, to guard what is taught to not let people wander away, to make sure that what we're teaching is biblical, is what God has commanded. And as you, if you'll notice, you'll notice this last week, we did not have communion out last week. You'll notice this week, we do not have communion out. Again, it's not something that we want to hide. It's something we have to be very honest about. Is the elders are really seeking some unity on on, what, on, on communion, on the way that we take communion, what communion is, how we administer it, all of this. Because we believe it's our job. We take this very seriously and we want to be all on the same page on exactly what we're doing. So I, I'm going to ask you to pray for us as we do this because all three of us, we want to be biblical in what we're teaching. We want to be biblical in what the ways we're leading the church. So pray for us. Pray for, that, that, for unity, that we would all be on the exact same page with that. But that's because it's our role to guard that, to guard the teaching of the church, to make sure that what we're doing is in line with Scripture, and we do take it seriously. Again, we believe communion is so important as we celebrate the death of Christ. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ. We celebrate what he has done. 
But we believe it's so important that we want to make sure we're doing it the way God would have us do it. We're also commanded, the elders of the church, commanded to be examples for the flock. The way that we live our lives, the way that we lead our households, the way that we love other people. There's all sorts of examples we could show. It kind of goes back to Paul when he says, imitate me as I follow Christ. It's a terrifying, terrifying thing that we've all been called to do. To live in such a way that we can tell other people, hey, follow me, but only as I follow Christ. But elders specifically told to be an example for the church. Listen, all this goes back to what I think describes, in, in one, all those different th- titles we said can mean the same thing, uh, elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd. And I, I think the shepherd of the flock really demonstrates a lot of the role. Because we're very removed from shepherds in Northeast Tennessee in 2018. Like, with something that we don't, I don't think, quite get on the same level as they would have. Um, but, like, what was the shepherd's job? Was to care for the sheep. And I've heard many different sermons of people giving very in-depth descriptions of the role of a shepherd and all that they did. And I'm not going to try to do all of that. But the shepherds protected the sheep, from outside enemies. Shepherds led the sheep to where they could be fed, where there was green grass, where they could be nourished. Shepherds chased after the sheep that tried to wander away. They were, they were responsible for the flock that they had. And that's what the elders, the pastors of the local church have been called to do, to shepherd the local flock. But I'm going to tell you something that you, most of you probably already know, but we're going to fall short. We are sinners. We desperately need grace every single day. Like, I speak for the three of us. Like, we wicked sinners desperately needed the saving grace of Jesus. We are going to let you down in some way. But listen, we are under shepherds to the good shepherd. Our job is not to be the sole meter of your needs, if that's the right word. Like, that is not, our our role is to point you to the one who can. Our role is to point you to the good shepherd. The only one who can satisfy. The only one who can save. The only one who all this is about. Your finger should be in John 10. Flip over to John 10. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. John 10, 1 through 16. Jesus says, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may find life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. The elders of CRC, pastors, we want you to see this shepherd. We want you to see the good shepherd. We say, look at Christ, the door. In him you find salvation. Look at Jesus, the good shepherd, who cares for his own, who saves them, who knows them by name. Later in John 10 it says, and I will never let them go. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Only Christ, when a group of wicked people had rejected God, had gone their own way, only the good shepherd came after them and gave them life. So this morning... Just as I said earlier, if you hear nothing else, this belongs to Christ. This is all for the glory of Christ because he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. We are but under shepherds. Some of you may be thinking, wow, I thought we were talking about pastors this morning. I thought we were talking about elders in the church. You went went on a huge tangent. But it's... As a pastor of the church, as elders of the church, there is nothing that I can do more that is more caring for the flock than point you to Christ. Like in Scripture, there is no bigger command, there is no bigger responsibility than called to care for the church. And we do that as we proclaim the name of Christ. Like just, just very quickly, if I can summarize. Like God has designed the church. It's built on Christ's foundation. Jesus is the one building it. The word gives qualifications for both elder and deacon and more about the roles that they are to play. But when you, specifically this week, when when we're talking about elders in the church, I want you just to think of mere little under-shepherds to the good shepherd. When we preach or when we lead well, when we cast a great vision, when we do it well, praise God because He is glorified. When we fail, when we fall short, praise God because He is a good shepherd who never fails, who will never fall short, who will never let you down. Again, the way that the church is led is all for the glory of Christ. It's all pointing to Him as good shepherd. 
as our ultimate shepherd, as Peter says, the chief shepherd. So as we start to move into a time of response, what, what I encourage you to think of, what I encourage you to, to praise, what I encourage you to, to pray about is, is Jesus as the good shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own ways. When we turned our own way, the good shepherd came after us. If, if we are saved, when we went our own way, like sheep, Jesus pursued us, saved us from danger, added us to his flock, made us his own. Let's praise God for this. Let's praise God for the way he, he has structured the church. Let's pray.